0: The Bible is very clear and lets us know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so if people are losing their joy, what we need to do is we need to speak to that. We need to speak to that mountain, Tell to move, be cast into the sea. Do you, do you notice, there's a song. It goes, Savior, he can move a mountain. My God is mighty to save. Well, that's unscriptural. He said, you can move the mountain. You speak to it. And the way you move it is by believing in him and trusting in him, and the mountain moves because of your words. So what you got to do is quit waiting on him and start speaking to that mountain. I'll tell you what, we're supposed to have limitless joy, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about unlimited joy. And you know, it's hard to have joy when you're in pain. It's hard to have joy when you're sick, when you're, when you're broke, when your car gets repossessed, when you get thrown in prison for, for something you didn't do. It's hard to have joy. And you know what? The thing of it is, is there is an answer. And for believers who really shine, and this is the answer, is, is we shine in extreme diversity. See, when it's extreme diversity, we dare to believe. We dare to have hope. And that's what we have to have, is we have to have hope. Take Paul and Silas, for instance.
1: They were in Philippi. They were in prison. They just got beaten. They were in the deepest dungeons. They were, they were chained
0: uh, up to this, this, this log. They were, they were stretched out. I mean, and, and, you know, they just were in a bad place. It was a midnight hour. And all of a sudden, they started, you know, that, and really what that means, it doesn't mean it was 12 midnight. It means it was the darkest point of their life. And in the darkest point of their life, they started singing songs to God, hymns to God. See, they didn't allow their circumstance to dictate their response. They, what they did is they went ahead and they chose to respond correctly. And that's when real believers stand to the occasion and rise to the occasion. Then Paul was in prison in Rome. That's about 10 years later. And so he writes this book to the Philippian church. And he, and he writes this. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3 through 6, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Now, if I was in jail and I got beaten and all the stuff that Paul went through, I would not be thanking God every time I remember them. I would say, Good luck, guys, you're on your own. I ain't coming back. (coughs) Excuse me, but it was his response. It was how Paul responded. I mean, it was amazing. I would have said, See you, buddy. Then he said, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident in this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I want you to think about that. A lot of people know that scripture, but I want you to think about who's saying this scripture. It's the Apostle Paul. Do you realize the Apostle Paul, who just said, all of your visions, all of your dreams, everything that God started in your life is going to come true. Do you know that none of Paul's visions and dreams came true? This is the guy who said that. He didn't, ex- he didn't expect to have this pathway and this road to get where he got. He expected a different road. He expected a different pathway. He saw things different. But he's telling you that you're going to complete the goal and the mission through Christ Jesus. A guy who never really had it you know, the way he saw it. I mean, that's, that's amazing in itself if you really study it out. But he, he, something was on the inside of him. He understood something greater than happiness. He understood joy. And when you understand joy, and there's a difference, and I'm going to give you some differences between the two. The first difference is
1: happiness is external. It's based upon the house is clean, I'm happy. The house is dirty, I'm not. The sun is up, I'm happy. The sun is down, I'm not.
0: The sun is up, it's not raining, I get to ride my motorcycle, I'm really, really happy. Then you get lied to that it was going to rain yesterday, and you don't ride, and you're not. (laughs) See, happiness is external. Joy is internal. It doesn't matter, You you can have joy on your worst day, it doesn't matter what's going on. It's not based upon your circumstances whatsoever. And when nothing's going right, you can still have joy. And this is where the Apostle Paul rises above the crowd. I don't know anybody, Christian, non-Christian, who's ever gone through as much as the Apostle Paul did. I want you to think about this. Paul was whipped five times with 39 lashes. Okay. And if you know anything about the lashes, the cat and 9 tails and the bone and all that stuff they have in there, when they come down it not only rips flesh, it gets into your spine. As a matter of fact, they've cut people in half in their torturing by, by whipping them. He was whipped five times with 39 lashes, okay? He was beaten with flexible rods. So while they had him chained, they would, they would beat the back of his legs, calves, thighs, with these just flexible, like say, take a PVC pipe and have somebody just keep beating you on the back of the legs. And that's, this was constantly, this was continual with Paul. He was shipwrecked, it says, spent a night and a day in the open sea. So that means he was bobbing like a cork in the Mediterranean Sea. Now, if you're in the sea, and your are wrecks, and you're holding on to something, what are you thinking? I know what I'm thinking. Dun-dun, I mean, I'm freaked out. You know? I mean... So all he's, he's wet, he's cold, and, and then all of a sudden he finds himself an island, a place that he can go to, a piece of land, he gets on the piece of land, he, he's freezing to death, he builds this fire, and in the midst of
1: building a fire he goes into the wood pile and a snake bites him. Let me tell you, this guy, I believe by taking a look at his life, and he speaks about joy, he's,
0: he can speak. It says death's oft when you keep reading. What does that mean? It means he died a whole lot of times. Well, how did he die? Well, they stoned him to death. Because and, and when, and cause, cause when he, they stoned him, that doesn't mean he had medicinal marijuana to, to take care of his pain. It means they picked up these big rocks and, and they stoned him and they threw stones at him until sometimes they thought he was dead, but then other times he
1: would actually die. Tony, this guy had a rough... He's Next to Jesus, Paul was my hero. I'm
0: telling you, he was the man. He got out of religion. He got out of, you know, the way religion teaches. And he got into relationship with Christ Jesus. And when he got into relationship, man, things changed. So anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. He said, Paul the Apostle speaking, you know, how he gets through all this stuff, gets beat down. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. So that means everything's going bad on the outside. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. And I'll say this. If your outward self and your inward self are matching each other, Houston, you have a problem. Because your inward self should be much greater than your outward self. Your your outward self, it doesn't matter, should not change because your inward self remains strong in Christ. See, when you are constantly... Keeping Jesus in the center of your relationship, then you won't be a, an emotional wreck. But if your outside and your inside are the same, they will change on emotion. They'll change on an occasion. So that means that's where the Bible talks about being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. You get emotional about stuff, and you well, you you know, you just hope it goes well for you. And then it says, "For our light and." Momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory uh, that far outweighs them all. What, what do you mean, light and momentary? I mean, I, I just got through telling you what Paul was going through.
1: I'll tell you, do your troubles feel light and momentary? Well, compared to that, but, uh, but when we have serious trouble, we're freaking out, we're tripping. But they're light
0: and they're momentary. What he's saying is, joy outweighs happiness. Joy is the bigger, bigger contender. Then he says, "So we fix our eyes upon what is, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen. That means don't take a look at your external circumstances. But what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal." So that brings me to the, another
1: difference. Happiness is based upon circumstances. Joy is based upon Christ. Amen? So, if you want to be happy, or, or if you're focusing
0: on happiness, basically what you're saying is, is I'm going to gamble on my circumstances to make me feel good. But see, if you're focused on joy, then you're saying, you know what, I'm going I'm to trust Christ to make me feel good, and no matter what's going on in my life. That's good right there. We can go home on that. So Philippians 4.11, he says... For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. In other words, Paul focused on what was most important. He didn't focus on just the trivial stuff. So he was content. The next difference is this. Happiness happens by chance. Joy happens by choice. So happy, if you're relying upon happiness, well, I'm, I, I, I'm lucky it worked out that way. But see, if you're relying upon joy, Joy, you make a decision, and you know it's going to work out that way because you trust God and you have faith in God that all things are possible to those who believe. And that's how joy works. You know, I'm not happy if the IRS uh, says that I owe them money. And I'm even less happy if I don't have it in the bank. But since I'm not relying upon my way and my means, I can have joy in the middle of the storm knowing that God will provide for all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. That's what gives me joy because it gives me hope, knowing that God is going to take care of me no matter what. Amen? All right. Deuteronomy thirty nineteen. it says, This day I have called heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. So right in front of us, he said we have death and life. Right in front of us, he said, We have curses. It's all. But you know, God's not going to make the decision, but he's, he tells us a decision to, ma- to make. But he's going to allow you to make it. You could, you could choose death or life. The Bible even says death and life is in the power of the tongue. So if you're speaking negative and you're speaking doubt and unbelief, you're speaking death. But when you're speaking the word of God and you're speaking trust in him, you're speaking life. You can speak to life to any situation. I told you the story of my mom last week. I mean, we spoke life, and you, you, I mean, it's a it's a miracle documented the stuff that's happened to her, and I mean, it's it's just amazing. And you know, God didn't do it because it was my mom; God did it because she dared to believe. She wasn't raised in church. I mean, her her old punk rock son who turned preacher just so happened to love on her unconditionally, and I didn't I didn't Bible thump her she started just asking me and now her life has turned around and because she made those choices and because she trusted God she was healed i mean i didn't have these magic fingers did i lay hands on her? yes did i believe she was going to recover? yes why? because that's what the bible said the bible says if believers lay hands on the sick they'll recover i mean that's what the bible says i'm not a pentecostal methodist, lutheran baptist, non denominational i'm none of those, i'm a believer If the Bible says that, I believe it. I love all those guys, but I'm not going to separate myself from anybody. That's just totally wrong. So, he says, death and life is put before you. Choose life. So, in other words, Paul learned to have joy no matter what the circumstance was. It it didn't matter what the circumstances were. He, He chose joy. Philippians 1, 9 through 11, it says this. He says, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the
1: glory and praise of God. Number one on your paper, stop asking why. Those who ask why never get their problems
0: taken care of. Oh, why me? Oh god, why did it happen and why and and why and why? Do you, you know I'm going to tell you why you don't get it taken care of? Because you're looking at the problem instead of the solution. And if you keep focusing on your problem, your problem will continue to be there. But if you focus on the solution, and you might not even know what the actual answer is, but the solution really is have a closer relationship with Jesus. When you have a closer relationship with Jesus, then the Holy Spirit will speak to you. You'll be able to hear him. Anyway, that's, that's for someone. John 16, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In, the, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the
1: world. That's a great scripture. He said this, just because you're having trouble doesn't mean you did anything wrong. He said, as long as you're in this world,
0: you're going to have trouble. But there's churches out there. They'll tell you, the, oh, you know, you must be in some type of deep sin. You got all these bad things going on in your life. That's not true. Jesus just said you're going to have these things happen.
1: But if you trust in him and you follow him, you'll have peace because you know that he has overcome the world.
0: Philippians 1.12. Now, I want you to know brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So basically, no matter what troubles that you get yourself into, God can use that to advance the gospel. He can use you in your weak situations and when it looks hopeless to the world, he can use that situation when people are looking at you and the faith that you have to get out of and through that situation, it will give them hope. See, like when some people had stage four cancer and, and all of a sudden they, it's gone without any radiation or chemo or anything like that, and, and it's gone because they believed in God, then all of a sudden
1: someone's like, well, wait a minute, if it happened for him, it can happen for me. I mean, all they were, were they were just the assistant principal at Greenville High School. Uh, they weren't something like some big preacher or anything like that. So if it, if it could happen to Ivan Ward, it could happen to you. Right? Okay. And like I said, my mom's going through a bunch of stuff right now
0: in these circumstances. But the more she got closer to Jesus, the more you saw things happen. She was, she was just beat down when I got there. You know, and um, the first, I'm going to say, let's see, I got there on Tuesday. Her worst day was that Saturday. We thought we were going to have to take her back to the hospital. I mean, it was It was bad. And so we were going back and forth and my sister gets there and uh, we're talking about it. We get a hold of some doctors and, and uh, well, we get a hold of a doctor and a nurse and we were talking to them. And we didn't want to take her to the hospital at Long Beach Memorial because of all the viruses that were going around. And by her taking radiation, she'd be more susceptible to get these things. So we're going through and, and Tammy and I are talking and I'm, I'm praying and I'm believing. And by that end of that day, she started to get better. I mean, she was so good by the time I left that following, not that Tuesday, but the following Tuesday, she was uh, doing video chats, you know, all dressed up and at my sister's house at at some get-together. She was supposed to be in bed for a long time, and she was supposed to have this back brace on. She came out months before she was supposed to come out. You know, this is what I'm saying. She's gone through a lot of things, but she chose to trust God, and she quit asking why. And what she did is she got closer to Jesus. And the way she got closer to Jesus, she just started asking me questions. She asked me to baptize her,
1: all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was awesome. I'm telling you, it was a great meeting. Number two, start asking what? God, what do you want me to do? See, he paid the price. And the closer that you get to him, he might tell you to do something specific. It's... If you have emphysema, and God said, well, if you quit smoking, I'll heal you. And you go ahead, okay, and you stop smoking,
0: and you get healed, and then you start tripping because you get emphysema later because you picked up cigarettes again, how stupid can you be and still breathe? I mean, God, because we're going to reap what we, so he's not saying, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to heal you, but you can go ahead and do the same thing that got you this. He never said that. And then we start blaming him for all this stuff. This is crazy. Start asking what. Whatever he tells you to do, and when you do what he tells you to do, you'll stop focusing on the problem. You'll be focusing on the solution. Amen? And, you know, you can always discover new opportunities in in your problems, new opportunities to minister to people. New opportunities, and, and I do that all the time, no matter where I'm at. I mean, I, I work at the school uh, district, driving school buses. I, I work with the sheriff's department, uh, you know, doing patrol and different things. And, and I minister to officers, and I minister to people. But, but the way I minister to them, I don't, I don't beat them over the head. I just love on them, and I'm just me. I mean, that's why we have Miss Amy over here. She's my first. She, she's going, you did not do that. Listen, she's, she's an awesome lady. Amen? And because I started there with the school system. That's why we have Miss Audrey over here, because of the sheriff's department. You know, so because of these things, because I have not preached to people, but loved on people, it's an opportunity to minister. I don't look at it as a job. I look at it as an opportunity. God, what do you want me to do? Philippians 1 13 to 14, it says, As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Now, Paul was a, he was a missionary. He was, a, he was an apostle. And what he did is he took every opportunity to preach. Since he couldn't preach on the pulpit, he preached to the guards that were chained to him. And now every guard in the palace knew who Jesus was because he was, because he was chained to Paul. Let me ask you this. The people that you're chained to, do they know who Jesus is? Have you told them? Anyway, let's move on. Those are opportunities. And because of my chains, most of the uh, brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So in other words, he said this even though that I wasn't on the pulpit in in the streets and highways and byways and and talking to the masses like Billy Graham and some other people, even though that I was not doing that, he said, I'm much more effective right now in prison where I'm at because now believers, because of my faith, because these guards are turning around, because the power of God that's happening right here in prison, they're going out and they're ministering and winning the loss. You take every opportunity. See, the Apostle Paul was very effective. And when he he ministered to the Philippian jailer and him and his family turned around, well, well, guess what? Everyone that family touched, Paul had a part in. Every person that you come in contact with, that you touch their lives, every person who they touch, you have a part in. God, what do you want me to do? Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, everybody say all things, In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God might not have called the circumstance and the problem to happen in your life, but God will
1: work for good if you love him and trust him. Just take those opportunities. Number three, refocus on what really matters. Stop focusing on your problems.
0: See, Paul planted this church, think about this, Paul planted this church on writing this letter to the Philippians. He planted it in Philippi about 10 years ago, like I said, you know, from, from the writing of this letter. But he was getting letters from all these people that, the, that all these churches were popping up all around. And when he was getting these letters from all these churches that were pop, popping up all around, they were, they were bashing them, they were tearing them down, they were you know just, just ripping them apart. And so what, what Paul did... As Paul responded, he didn't respond like most of us would respond. You know, if somebody started saying that you were a cult leader and this and that and all these things, I mean, you, Tabasco might start going up your legs, you know what I mean? You might say some things you shouldn't, but check out Paul's attitude. He said in uh, Philippians 15, uh, 1, 15 through 18, he said, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill, the latter do so out of love knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition. In other words, they do it for money. Not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains.
1: I love this next verse right here. He says, but what does it matter? Who cares? Who cares why they do it? He said the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. So, who cares that you don't agree with someone else's doctrine as long as Christ is truly being preached? Why are we bashing other people as long as Christ is being preached? See, that's the main thing right here. Who cares what people
0: say? Quit focusing on what doesn't matter and start focusing on what does matter. Christ being preached. And he says, and because of this, I rejoice, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. So he's saying, all these haters that have been hating on me for all this time, who cares? I'm not a people pleaser. But Christ is being preached. They're going to have to deal with him later. I'm not going to deal with him for, for that. Let them let keep going. We're trying
1: to please people. My next question and last question, and actually, is this: Do you want ultimate joy? Philippians 121 says, "For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain." In other words, start living for who matters, and start being focused on what matters Second Timothy 4:18. Says this the Lord will rescue me from
0: every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom to him be glory forever amen now he's not saying well when you get to heaven and you get to that you get to heaven then all of a sudden everything's gonna be okay no you can experience the kingdom of heaven on earth and when you choose to experience the kingdom of heaven on earth What happens is, when the storms come and everything rages against you, that all of a sudden, you know, you just have peace. That passes all understanding. You have this supernatural peace. So he didn't say you had to wait till you get to heaven. So this is my last point. I'm ending right here. The bottom line is this.
1: When you know Christ, you're in a win-win situation. That is the bottom line.